Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, and welcome to What Future. I'm your host, Joshua Topolsky. And today, it's a very special, very special day for everyone involved in this podcast, including you, the listener, because I'm doing my uh, brand new annual, very important top 10 list of things that brought me joy in 2022. So I feel like I've done a lot of episodes in the short uh, lifespan of the podcast where I've been somewhat, I don't think I'm like negative, but I think there's a... There's just a lot of things going on in the world that don't rule, <laughs> that they don't rock. And so I feel like I've spent some time, certainly like the last few episodes where we're talking about Twitter and social media and being online, the last few, it's like literally like six out of 10 have been me talking about how being online is cursed. So I thought for the final episode of the year, we would get up close and personal with the things that bring me joy and that I love. And saying that out loud in front of other people and thinking about what's on my list, it's really hugely like a weird disconnect. What I just said sounds like I should be listing things like my family, but that's not what's on my list. Like, it's a lot of dumb stuff, actually. And frankly, making the list made me realize that, I don't know, I mean, I think I'm just morphing into like Tim Allen from like his show where he was like the tool guy. Like, I feel like I'm just home improvement, yeah, home improvement. I feel like I'm just becoming like a regular American man. Like as I get older, is that a thing that happens? I don't know if it is, but in my heart, I still feel interesting and not basic. 
or mid as the kids are saying these days. But then, uh, then I'm looking at the list and I'm like, is this just very mid? Is this whole thing extremely mid? I can't tell. Anyhow, I uh, read a great essay today on Blackbird's biplane. It's like a um, newsletter about style written by Jonah Weiner, who's a award-winning journalist who's really into clothes, I guess. I like him a lot. He's an interesting guy. But anyhow, they had an article that I read today, which was about how everything is mid, like we live in in a world of mid, which is a, basically a new term for saying basic, right? Like not horrible, but not really great. Just kind of like fine. Yeah, average. Like a six or whatever, I guess. A five. I mean, fairly a five is bad, you know? Like if you're rating, if you're ranking people by numbers. I think a six is bad. Six is like better than average, slightly better than average. Who wants to be a six? That's a great question. Who wants to be a six? And when we say six or 10 or whatever, what are we really saying? What are we even talking about? You know, mm-hmm. are we talking just about purely about aesthetics? Because I wouldn't be, you know, somebody could be a 10 aesthetically, like visually in a, in a two from a vibe perspective. No, I know there's two different types of people. Mm. There's a person who you see a picture of them. Yeah. And you think that person is attractive. Mm-hmm. And then there's another person that you have to see in person mm-hmm. to know if they're attractive or not. That's an interesting theory. I think that um, what is considered attractive, uh, whether it's in person or in a picture, when I hear people talk about it, I know for sure is not based on like physical attributes. It is something else that people are talking about when they talk about it. Like, I firmly believe that very ugly people are considered very attractive all the time. And in fact, people who are considered very beautiful, to me, sometimes look kind of hideously ugly in a way. Maybe that's my own body dysmorphia coming out. I'm going to need an example of a person who's so beautiful, they're hideous. Um, yeah, like like Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum is sort of hideous looking if you really study his face. Like, he's considered to be very attractive. How? He's just monstrous looking, just like a monster, you know? Like, okay. um <laughs> Like all, there's a whole bunch of like guys like that that are like squares. They're like Minecraft characters, you know. Like sure, Liam sure. Hemsworth is the same way. Like kind of like Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's like kind of hideous looking, right? But also, I think a lot of people think, at least in his heyday, thought that he was like very attractive. Yeah. But those people are good looking, right? Like, but they're also <laughs> horrible in a way, you know. I think what you're saying is true about like the guys on Love Island or The Bachelor. No, the but guys okay. The oh, you're doing it. You're actually no, thank you. perfectly articulating. No, my other my other point, which is which is this. Oh. People think that Adam Driver is hot, right? Yeah. I don't think he is hot. I think he looks like every third Jewish guy that I know who most of them in a lineup, people will be like, yeah, he's fine, whatever. He's like pretty Jewishy looking. Now, Adam Driver's not actually Jewish, but my point is, I think Adam Driver is hot because Adam Driver is cool. Like people like Adam Driver. We've all learned to agree that like he's so cool that like he's attractive now. God, I'm getting canceled for this one. Maybe we'll add this. Maybe we won't. I just think like there's like like what you just said. The guys on Love Island look just like fucking Liam Hemsworth. It's just they're not Liam Hemsworth. They're guys on Love Island. And so you're like, they're kind of gross, but they wouldn't be gross if they were in a Marvel movie, you'd be like, hmm. Anyhow, God, I don't even know what I was saying about the article. It was, it's interesting though. It was basically sort of like, you know, we live in an era of, of everything being like sort of mediocre. I think that in order to care about the concept of things being mid, you're submitting to like a, a societal and cultural structure that like 
makes you immediately mid to do so. Like if you, if you admit things can be mid, like from a fashion perspective or whatever, you're basically submitting to a structure that turns you into like the most mediocre person. Right. In a way it's like, it's not really cool to think about what other people think is cool. And the coolest people don't do that. The people who do really cool things aren't sitting around going like, do other people think this is mid or not? They're just doing stuff. Anyhow, this is not what I want to talk about. Okay. So I've prepared a list of, (laughs) so I've made a list of 10 things that in 2022 have brought me joy and they're very nerdy and boring and extremely mid probably to people who care about that sort of thing. The point of the list was sort of, I was trying to sit down and think about things that I've actually like really enjoyed doing in 2022, because I would say that as a year, I don't know. I feel like we're constantly now saying like, this is the worst year ever. Like, don't you feel like we've been doing the worst year ever since like 2016? Yes. Right. Like, it doesn't seem like we've gotten a good year since about 2016, right? Maybe even before that, but it feels pretty strongly like that was about it for us in terms of having like a good time. Like, can you even remember anything good that happened from like 2016 till right now? Like besides like preventing bad things, it's like stuff like, oh, well, like Trump got defeated in the election, like, which is not even a good thing. It's like, you know, like they didn't drop a nuclear bomb on like New York City. Basically, it's like they didn't decide to kill everybody. Like, I can't remember anything that's happened really in the world where I could say, well, that was extremely good. I guess this fusion development is good. Maybe nuclear fusion seems like it's going to end badly, though, doesn't it? Like, <laughs> you know, everything in the world is like this, right? It's like they created nuclear fusion. And you're like, oh, that's probably going to destroy the world, right? Like, they're going to, it's going to get out of the lab, just like COVID. Okay. <laughs> so sorry. I've devolved again. I want to hear the list. Okay, so I made a list of things that I feel like brought me joy in 2022. Do you know what a Steam Deck is? No. Uh-huh. This is probably my number one thing that I've spent like in just like completely recreational time with in, in 2022. And it's like the most bang for my buck that I've ever gotten. It's extremely nerdy. The Steam Deck is like a, you know what a Switch is, obviously Nintendo Switch. It's like a Nintendo Switch. It's larger for playing video games that you could previously only play on a computer. Oh. It's like a portable game system that plays all of the games that I play on my PC because I'm a nerd. And and they're like really good games, like the best games, like this game Elden Ring, for instance, which is like the next thing on my list. But the Steam Deck has like completely changed my like video gaming situation. Wait, does this mean any game that I have on Steam I could play? Yeah, pretty on much. Steam Deck? Yes. So this is the way around no Sims for Mac. Uh, if that's a problem you're having, which like is a, not a problem that I have. but It's a problem <laughs> I've been having for 15 years. I think you can buy a Steam Deck and play the Sims on it. And also you can dock it and like hook it up to a TV and then play it with like a controller and stuff. So you can play oh my God. like a normal person. Um, but yeah, it's the best. It's the greatest. I mean, it is so amazing because... The Sims is a good example. That's like really best on a PC of some sort. And um, no, it's fucking incredible. And so every night as I'm like winding down, I'll like, I have a this like, you know, 
black like lounge chair that I like to sit in. It's like a black leather, you know, Eames, whatever, just completely mid <laughs> chair, which I love. And, you know, I'll sit down and I'll just like play whatever game I want that I would normally be playing on a, like a TV or in front of a computer or whatever. And it's just like incredible. I mean, it's sort of like, a, a, again, it's extremely, you know, nerdy, but also unbelievably satisfying to just have this like huge catalog of games that I could never play like this suddenly available. So that's like, to me, is like the top thing I think about when I think like pure joy. I mean, besides like obviously Zelda and I have some entries about her, by the way. I'm not like completely a monster. So I do care about my family and family time. Anyhow, okay. So mm, number two is I've been listening to a lot of music. I learned some things about myself musically this year. I think you have an idea about who you are and what you like and what is like within the bounds of things that you enjoy. And, you know, if something kind of enters that spectrum that is unusual or seems like at first glance, like not something that falls into the set or whatever, you have like a, an allergic reaction to it. I have spent most of my life really disliking Billy Joel, like truly disliking his most of his music and his vibe. Do you know, like Billy Joel for a long time struck me as like a guy who was constantly writing songs about things he didn't know anything about. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I was very dismissive of him for a very long time. Like Billy Joel always has songs where it's like, you know, it's about you know, being like a blue collar worker in Allentown or whatever. And it's like, he doesn't know anything about Allentown. Like he's from Long Island. And like, as far as I know, like maybe he comes from a blue collar family. I don't know. He doesn't strike me as a guy who knows about what it's like to live in Allentown. And he's constantly got songs like it's like the fucking piano man songs about all these like sad losers at the piano bar or whatever. And it's like, does he really know anything about their lives or is he just this weird like vulture, you know, picking at the remains of somebody else's sad story or making shit up so he can sound like I mean, to some extent, there's a whole genre of musicians like Bruce Springsteen, who like basically openly admits that his shit's all like this blue collar stuff is all like kind of made up. To a degree, you know, I mean, it's like kind of like, you know, Bob Dylan. This is a long, long history of guys who are like, you know, not the people that they say they are. Anyhow, for a long time, I've, I rejected Billy Joel and um, sort of actively hated him. I wouldn't say just rejected him, like not just dismissed Billy Joel, but also felt strongly that I disliked Billy Joel and his musical output. And then we started listening to The Stranger, which we have on vinyl, and I don't remember how we acquired it. Uh, are you familiar with this record? Features the song The Stranger. <laughs> Scenes from an Italian restaurant. There's a ton of hits on it. Yeah, yeah. There was a day where I announced that I had never listened to Billy Joel, and Nick played me like eight top ten Billy Joel hits. Oh, really? He played you like uh, Uptown Girl and... Uh, oh, he played all, I mean, it was like all of them. Then I was like, oh, okay, I guess I do know every single Billy Joel song, and they are good. <laughs> all the hits. I think the only song I knew was Moving Out because it was on a CD that came in a Rolling Stone thing. Okay. That's on The Stranger. That's, uh, no, the record's, a, it's filled like top to bottom, front to back with hits. Every song is a hit. I'm like, in fact, the first time we were listening to it, I was like, is this like a greatest hits record? I don't think I'd ever listened to a full Billy Joel album. I don't know. Like, I'm, I haven't yet explored other albums. Maybe there's other stuff that I would like as well. But, but I have to say, we listened to The Stranger a lot and it got to the point where like originally... Laura put it on, and I was like, oh, fucking Billy Joel, like, what? Why are we listening to this? 
and then it like became like a running gag that I was like, let's let's listen to the stranger, not like as a joke, but like that I legitimately enjoyed it, and then I ended up getting the song stuck in my head, and so that's that's kind of a revelation for me. Anyhow, but I had a so music what? end of twenty two <laughs> recommendation. What? Check out Billy Joel. I'm not recommending it. I'm telling talking about my personal lived experience okay <laughs> i'm not saying that you should listen to billy joel you know billy joel's not for everybody if you don't love great catchy pop songs that have a tremendous narrative and incredible orchestration that's fine you don't have to listen to billy joel anyhow that's like my year in music it was actually pretty pretty boring in a lot of ways in the sense that i didn't listen to a lot of different stuff I feel like music apps, their desire, particularly Spotify, is for you too. And in fact, there is a financial incentive for this. I was just reading about this. It's like, you know, there's there's something about like listening to an album is somehow less profitable for them than listening to random like playlists of stuff. They really want you to discover new music, which is great. Like I love discovering new music and I certainly have done it with the apps, but there's something, you know, nice about not listening to a lot of music, but listening to a little bit of music a lot. That's two. That was number two, <laughs> by the way. What's number three? Number three is Hamilton, the audiobook, which I've been listening to, not the musical, but the biography of Hamilton, which I believe is written by Ron Chernow, or I just made that up. Yeah, it's Ron Chernow. It's, it's actually, the book is actually called Alexander Hamilton is the name of the book. I don't want to, Hamilton is the musical. Alexander Hamilton is the book, which is like, well over a thousand pages. No, it's, um, the, I lie. It's 818 pages. And I know nothing about American history. I know nothing about history for the most part. As you may know, I'm a high school dropout. So I missed a lot of important stuff about the world, you know, like, and I don't know anything about the American Revolution. And, you know, Zelda got into Hamilton this year pretty heavily. Uh, you may recall she went as Lafayette for Halloween, <laughs> which... I didn't know that. She did, yeah. She went as General Lafayette, the French general, or whatever. I don't even know if he was a general. Actually, I should know because I've been listening to this book. Uh, yeah, a very strange situation for everybody. But uh, but she had a great time, and she looked amazing. Uh, but anyhow, so she got into Hamilton. So, you know, obviously I got into Hamilton because that's what happens when you have children. And Hamilton's obviously very controversial, but it's the songs are great. Like, Hamilton as a musical is very effective. I'm not the right guy to comment on the controversy, but I'll just say like hell of a musical. And then I was like, well, I don't really fucking know anything about Hamilton. And Laura had the Alexander Hamilton book and gave it kind of was like, Hey Zelda, maybe you want to check this out. And we started reading it like together for like a few minutes, you know, like reading the opening of the book. And she's like, you know, tuned out because it's an 818 page book written by like a famous historian. That's like literally like pretty encyclopedic about this guy's life. But then after reading like a page or two to her, I was like, wow, this is actually pretty interesting. And so I got the um, I got the audiobook version. I've been working through it. And I have to say, Hamilton, what a guy. It's an interesting character. But also, it's so interesting to me because I know nothing about the American Revolution and very little about the founding of America. I feel like as an American, you kind of learn a bunch of things, but they're all very surface. And... Listening to it actually reminded me of this. Um, have you ever read um, The Picture of Dorian Gray? You familiar with the book? I'm not sure if I've really read it, but I do know the entire story. Really? Okay. Well, The Picture of Dorian Gray is by Oscar Wilde. 
this is like a real like deep cut here, but I read it 20 years ago or maybe longer. But one of the things that stood out to me and I think about quite often, pretty much every time I order Chinese food, I think about it. There's a scene in the picture of Dorian Gray where like Dorian Gray and some of his buddies or whatever go out to like a Chinese restaurant. And it's so striking to me to think about it because like we live in this, what our, our version of the world is so... I mean, first off, it's the only world we've known, right? It's the only world we've ever sort of experienced. And so you assume there's just all these things that exist now that did not exist previously. And what I never think about, what I had never crossed my mind before I read that passage in the book was like in Victorian London or whatever, you could go out to a Chinese restaurant, like the way we do, right? Like that it's just like, oh, this is a completely different type of cuisine and like, you know, whatever in this, you know, part of London. And it's just like weirdly modern detail that makes you feel strangely connected to the history or to these people. Obviously, that's a work of fiction, but I feel like we tend to live in this state of feeling that this moment is so locked off from everything that's come before it and so disconnected. At least that's how I feel. I don't know if you feel the same way. It feels like this is like we're so distant from all of these things in history. And obviously, hundreds of years have passed. But then there's these things that are like, oh, these are just exactly the same as they've always been. Like, there's really nothing different about it. And and listening to the Alexander Hamilton biography, there's a ton of details about how people lived. And in fact, there's a um, this series of books, which is called A History of Private Life. And uh, it's like a multi-volume, like ridiculously long set of books. And it, all it is about is how people lived, starting with like the ancient like Romans, basically, up to, you know, I don't know, modernity or whatever. And it's like three or four volumes. And it's very hard to read straight through because it's basically like a textbook. But it's so interesting to me to think about how people lived and think about how not that different it is from how we live now. And in in fact, while I've been listening to this, Laura has been going through all these old files from the historical society in the town that we live. And she has all of these like log books from people who own businesses in like the 1800s and the 1700s. And uh, she was reading a diary. There's a girl who wrote a diary that lived around where we live that's, you know, was in like concurrent with like the time that Hamilton was alive. She was like 16 or something, the girl writing it. And the diary is like, it might as well have been written by like a 16 year old in like this time. I mean, the thing she talks about, she's like annoyed by people and goes to people's houses like for parties and stuff. And like, it just sounds like regular, like nothing has really changed except they were on horseback and didn't have any, you know, electricity. But uh, she mentions offhandedly, like in this diary, like, oh, this politician got shot and they say he's not going to make it. It's like fucking Hamilton. She makes a mention of it as like this, like, I heard some news today, like this, like passing sort of mention of of this like super significant thing in American history. Anyhow, so that's number three. I've been listening to (laughs) Alexander Hamilton by Ron Chernow, and it's brought me a lot of joy and frankly, put a lot of things in perspective for me. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. 
the war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. (sighs) Good one, Dad. (sighs) Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of... dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. All right, number four. (laughs) Number four. This is a hard pivot. So I think I might have brought this up. Maybe I don't remember if I talked about it on the show, but this is about Star Wars. I'm not a huge Star Wars fan. I mean, I love Star Wars, obviously. It's an interesting, you know, moment in our, like, sort of recent history and important to me as a kid. Like, I was really into it when I was younger, uh, like everybody was in the, like, 80s. But it is the kind of thing that it permeates the culture so much. There's so much of it out there that I've wanted Zelda to see it, to watch it for a while, just because I think she would think a lot of it is cool. But also it's like there's so much of it out in the world. 
I kind of wanted her to know, like, what is like, what is this thing that everybody's talking about? Like, she's a friend who's really into it, who's watched everything. And anyhow, we've tried to watch it, but she's always been kind of like too scared or like freaked out. You know, it's like pretty heavy stuff. Like when Darth Vader shows up, it's like pretty upsetting. And so like recently, as of like, I don't know, a few weeks ago, a few months, maybe a month ago, she decided she was going to watch some of the Star Wars movies because her friend wanted to quiz her on it and she wanted to know the answers, which is a good competitive sort of reason to watch a film. Anyhow, so we watched like the first original three Star Wars movies and then the Phantom Menace. <laughs> and we started watching Attack of the Clones, which is like the second George Lucas one that, that he made in the, in the, I guess, 90s, early 2000s. I gotta say one thing. She fucking loved Jar Jar Binks. Like her favorite character in all the Star Wars movies. <laughs> is Jar Jar Binks. I talked to her friend Alistair, who is who has watched every Star Wars thing that you can watch, apparently, like including Andor, which I've heard is very adult, but I'm not passing judgment. I'm just saying, like, I mean, I, I, his parents are great. They're good friends. But, but anyhow, he's seen all of it. So he knows a lot more about Star Wars than Zelda does. And I asked him what his favorite character was, and he said Jar Jar Binks. You know, and I was surprised that they weren't saying that their favorite character was my favorite character, Emperor Palpatine who I think is just the best. So it's been like a really interesting, a really interesting experience to watch it with her, like through her eyes, right? And to see it, like honestly, in a way, totally new because I've watched those movies a million times and I have an idea of what they're like in my head. And it's a very different experience when you watch with somebody who's, well, we watch with a kid who's never seen them, who really doesn't know anything about them. Although she did have the Darth Vader being Luke's father thing spoiled for her, which is kind of a bummer. But I mean, like, again, you can't escape it. All right, number five. I've embraced becoming an iPad dad. Do you know what that is? I mean, is it in the title? iPad dad. You know, it's like dad with an iPad. Yeah. Like, I used to kind of hate iPads. And now I'm kicking back with the iPad all the time, like a like a classic dad who just doesn't need all, this, all the fancy computer features and just wants to, like, consume some content. That is the image. It's feet up on the ottoman. Or the coffee table. It's 100% what I'm doing. The feet are up. Drink on the table next to me. iPad in hand. Just jamming. In some way, it just generally with technology, I have embraced like a kind of more disconnected, less in the weeds, less in the nuts and bolts sort of uh, perspective. Like I can certainly go there. And maybe it is like society, you know. We live in a society after all, as you know. But yeah, I've kind of embraced like being like a dumb Apple person, like a dumb Apple guy. <laughs> like I have a whole other theory, like grand unified theory of the Android dad, which is the dad who refuses to get an iPhone and is the only person in the family who is not like can't be in the group chat properly because they insist on having an Android. And I know a ton of people like this, by the way, like I know a ton of dads, literally, like it seems to be largely just my dad. OK, your dad has an Android phone. I don't even think it is an Android. It's made by Google. It's made by Google. It's Android. Okay. But your but your dad is like an Android dad. And for whatever reason, there is this like thread of like men, they just don't wanna use an iPhone for some reason. And and I and I do understand it. I think there's a couple things going on. And I hate to say it, but there is a line from Android Dad to insurrectionist, like January 6th Capital Rider. Like there is a there is a clear through line where it's like men just bucking, they want to buck the system somehow. They want to reject, they're rejecting 
like falling in line with all the sheeple or something. I'm not really sure. I think that's thing one is that there's this rejection of like the status quo or the expected thing to do. It's like a tiny dad rebellion that like you're going to be an Android guy and not be part of the the cult or whatever. But then it's also, I think Android is great for like, if you want to tinker. And I think that there's like this whole subset of men that are just, and, and I think I fall somewhat into this category, probably just need, just need something to fucking tinker with just need to dick around with something that the consequences are extremely low but it can consume an enormous amount of their time and i think android scratches that itch but but the ipad dad in my opinion is the complete rejection of the android dad in many ways it is you're joining the club you're admitting defeat you're just settling in and consuming some content and not thinking too much about it and everything is fine and works and you're in the group chat and and that's it. You're done. So I've embraced that in myself and for myself. And it feels pretty good, I have to say. The, you know, the, the joy of giving in to just not giving a fuck. It sounds lovely. It is lovely. It's wonderful. You're making me want to get an iPad. You should become an iPad, Dad. What's stopping you? What is really preventing you? No, computers are so annoying. I'm so sick of computers. Fuck computers. I don't want to see any menus. I don't want to see any windows. I don't want to see, I don't want to see a fucking file, you know, just get out of my face. Just like, well, I'm going to stream Netflix and call it a day, read Reddit. Uh, Okay. Number six, Outer Range. Have you watched Outer Range? No. Is that a TV show? Outer Range is like the best TV show that's been on in 2022 and nobody watched it. And it definitely is not getting a second season. I mean, maybe not best. I thought it was fucking terrific. It's an Amazon show. Stars Josh Brolin. He plays like a a rancher in Wyoming who discovers a hole, (laughs) discovers a hole in his, um, on his like land. And I don't want to say any more than that, but (laughs) Imogen Poots. I love Imogen Poots. Yeah. Imogen Poots is it. Poots. She's great. She's true. She's fucking terrific. And every single person in that show is like doing their best work. Every single person in this show is like blowing the fucking doors off when it comes to performance and it is weird as shit and it is so interesting it is like science fiction it's sort of science fiction i mean it is but it's like very adult it's just good it's just fucking good and like i feel like nobody watched it and nobody talked about it and they're not going to do a second season and it sucks because it's easily the best thing that i feel like i've watched this year i will say i haven't watched everything but i'm gonna watch it i might get an ipad i'm getting a steam deck I'll check out this man, Billy Joel. <laughs> you need to get a lounge chair. You need to get an, an Eames lounger to sit in, kick your feet up. Okay. And uh, yeah, that's it. And then you and I will finally be fully connected. We'll f- finally understand each other 100%. I just need to tell you, I've always loved Imogen Poots first because her name. Great name. Incredible name. Her name is so funny. I just found out her her middle name is Gay. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's crazy. That's wild, man. That is... I love a woman having a name like that and not changing it. I mean, it's iconic. You know, not Olivia Cockburn over here. Wow. Wow. That's another great name. I mean, that's a No, that's wild. I did not know that was her, her middle name. It's very cool. She seems... Listen, this show made me really have an appreciation for her and her and her, her talents. Uh, she's like a... It's a real tour de force. Um, okay. And kind of related, number seven, 
drink eat at night. Now I've had a lot of back and forth with drinking this year. Like I love drinking, which is, you know, I think an unpopular thing to say because drinking is very bad. Honestly, America is in many countries are plagued with horrible alcoholism, which is going to be very destructive. And, and I've seen it firsthand. And let me just preface this by saying, if you're in trouble, if you feel like you need help, there's a lot of resources out there and you should reach out. I have personally been really like all over the map this year with drinking. Like I shouldn't drink. I'm not drinking for a while. Then I start drinking. Then I'm like way overdoing it. Certainly during the pandemic, drinking became much more of like the main event. It was like, wow, okay, well, it's five o'clock or whatever. It's six o'clock. Like I'm going to start drinking now because nothing else is going to happen. We're not going anywhere. We're not doing anything. The news is super depressing. We're like trying not to die. But I think this year, to some extent, or at least at this moment, I feel like I've really embraced like the ritual of having a drink at night and, and multiple drinks usually. But there's obviously a point where it's like, you know, you can obviously overdo it. But I think everybody needs some some of the whatever this is, like this weird release. But you know, and it's if it's not weed or alcohol, then it's it's like you meditate or you know, you're I don't know, you're a, a rageaholic and you're screaming to people and I, whatever. But like I do think there's something really satisfying, not so much about the drink, because at the end of the day, the first sip, the first drink is always the best and can never be topped. And and is everything about the, the every drink after that is you just sort of cl- desperately hoping that you can get back to the feeling of having that first drink. But the feeling of having that first drink, and this is one man's opinion, obviously, is just truly magical. This sounds like the ramblings of a terrible alcoholic, I think. But I just think there's something really um, satisfying about it, especially after long days. And maybe it's because it feels like familiar in this way that feels like this is like we're capping off like a day. So I've really embraced it. And I, I will say all of the other things I've listed up until now pretty much are like the end of the day drink. The evening drink is just like icing on the cake for all of the other activities that I've described for the most part. <laughs> the iPad did come with the drink. Yeah. You ready? Number eight, lunch. It's the best meal, you know, like convince me that that's not the case. You can't because, you know, it's true. What's your lunch? Well, usually it's a sandwich of some type because I'm a huge sandwich fan. Like I could also eat the same sandwich every day and not care at all. Like I could eat a tuna sandwich every day. Although tuna is a very rude sandwich to eat, in my opinion. Like tuna is the rudest food you can eat is like like a. You know what I mean? Like a tuna salad is just very like incense. I love a tuna salad sandwich. And it's the best. It's the best. I mean, it's, it's it's incredible. Apparently, we're not supposed to be eating them like more than once a month or something. Tuna? Yeah, a tuna sandwich. Sure. Well, I mean, I failed that test. But over the last few months, one thing that I've been doing is that Laura and I will occasionally go to like a French place that's near us and have lunch there. Uh, like adults, you know, like have an adult lunch. And like, you know, we're going to a place and ordering food like human beings. A lot of times I'll eat lunch. It's like 15 minutes between meetings. I'm just like slamming food into my mouth, which is uh, (laughs) not quite the same thing. So I've really come to appreciate and enjoy like the idea of taking time out for lunch, which I have not spent a lot of time in my life doing, but I far and away, it's my favorite meal. And I really have enjoyed it in 2022. This is Neil Strauss host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All the 
these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of... dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we're almost at the end here. You ready? For nine? Nine is so boring. What's nine? Nine is so fucking boring. It sucks so bad. But I'm gonna uh chore jackets. Are you familiar with the chore jacket? You know what a chore jacket is, I Josh, assume. I can't even tell you the experience of chore jackets that I've had. Oh. My mom had the greatest chore jacket of all time, and I used to wear it when I would come home. For okay. Thanksgiving 
yeah. holiday break. Who made it? It was like L.L. Bean or something. Yeah, L.L. Bean makes a great short jacket. Like vintage, very vintage. Yeah, the best. And then in January of 2018 or so, she moved, she lost it. What? And from that time, I've been like searching for it again. And mm-hmm. then I went to Paris in April mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. every single person was wearing a chore coat in a different color. My biggest regret is that I did not buy a chore coat in every color while I was in Paris in April. Well, I should tell you, <clears throat> what color was this uh, jacket, by the way? Well, the one that my mom had was like a tan brown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a classic. Classic color. Classic. First off, the French are big into chore, chore coats or chore jackets, depending on who you talk to. Some famous manufacturers of chore jackets or chore coats. Uh, I think they're also known as like gardener jackets or whatever. Um, uh, I don't have any French jackets, though I do have a ton of them now of all varieties. And I have to say, so I, I used to enjoy wearing suits. Not that I did it all the time. There was a period where I wore suits on a pretty regular basis. And I think like one of the things that was most appealing to me about a suit was the fact that it had a lot of pockets, you know, like I think men are constantly struggling with like too much stuff and not enough pockets. And obviously typically, you know, at least historically men haven't carried around bags that much though. Now, you know, we tend to all do that. But it's not like having something in a pocket nearby, you know? It's like a still a bag is you have to get into. The chore jacket, which I started wearing on a pretty regular basis, probably towards the start of the pandemic. I mean, I've had a lot of, like, clothing shifts. I was already moving in this direction, but I wear about the same thing every day, pretty much. Like, I have a closet of clothes that you can put them in any sort of order and they end up about the same, which is good, which is great, which I like. I I can't think of too much about it. And I think I'm in a place where it's like, I could like for the next 50 years, I think I can wear this stuff and it's not, it's never going to be super in fashion, but it also won't ever go out of fashion, but it's also like not like normal exactly. And it's unbelievably, you know, sort of useful and comfortable. So anyhow, I've acquired a lot of chore jackets and uh, I just love them. And I love the pockets. I love having multiple pockets and I'm constantly using the pockets and uh, I also, one other thing like separately is that um, I have, I bought a few pairs of coveralls a few years ago, and I think those are also excellent. I really should wear them more, but it's a bit of a production, to be honest. When you're wearing coveralls, I mean, it's, in a way, like, I don't know, you're just making such a huge statement. It's like, I'm not sure that I'm there yet. I'm not like the coverall guy yet, but, you know, like a jumpsuit, basically. But but a short jacket is like half a jumpsuit, and that's terrific. So, okay, that's number nine. Okay, we're almost done. Uh, okay, number 10. This is And this is very important. I have loved and, and increasingly love, especially given the stuff that we're reading, bedtime stories with Zelda. And one of the main reasons is because we are reading books that I've never read that apparently everybody else has. Like we just read Matilda by Roald Dahl, famous Jew hater. But no, I didn't point that out to Zelda when we were, when we were reading it. I'm sparing her for now the truth about him, but great book. Never read it. Very strange, but everybody's read it, I guess. And then, you know, Laura's like, Oh, that book's so great. And I'm like, okay, I don't know anything about it. We're reading from the mix up files of Miss Basil E. Frankweiler or whatever. <laughs> is, is that the, am I getting that right? I don't know. Do you know that book? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. It's like completely bonkers. I knew the book existed. Uh, did not know what the content of the book was. Now we're like halfway through it. And I'm like, this is, very interesting. So 
I'm getting to like, you know, relive my my stolen childhood. I don't know why it was stolen. I don't know why I didn't read these books. I don't want to blame my parents because they're wonderful people uh, and who definitely exposed us to a lot of literature. Well, what books did you read when you were a kid, when you were Zelda's age then? Yeah, I don't remember. I mean, I don't remember. The first books I really remember reading were when I was like 11 or 12. And like, I started reading shit like Neuromancer by William Gibson. I definitely didn't know what was going on in it, but that's like my formative reading. I started reading, you know, like Kurt Vonnegut when I was like 16 or something. Those are the books I really remember. When I was a kid, oh, I read a lot of Dragonlance books, like a huge nerd. It's like books based on Dungeons and Dragons, basically. But I mean, like they're like narrative books, but they're like from the universe of Dungeons and Dragons. Those are the kind of the books that I remember a lot from, from when I was a kid. Benicula. Do you remember Benicula? Do you know Benicula? Yeah. The bunny Dracula? Yeah. He is like a bunny a vampire that drank carrot juice, I guess. Or something. I don't know. All right. I think it's time to wrap up. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it. That's my list. I don't know. I don't know if the list made any sense. These are the things that when I sat down and thought about it, I'm like, what did I really enjoy this year? Those are the things that came to mind. Okay, so I have pulled up the Steam Deck. Mm-hmm. I will tell They're you, available buddy, now. I Well, I have to reserve. You do? Unless I want to get the really expensive one. Yeah, get the expensive one. You shouldn't uh, cheap out. No, yeah. no, get the expensive one. I, and can I just say I think you should get... Well, here's the thing, though. <laughs> here's what I'm going to use it for. Yeah. The Sims. That's fine. And I'm not getting it if I can't play The Sims on it. And Roller Coaster Tycoon. I would get the expensive one if I were you. I mean, okay, well, I'll look at it. In my but... opinion, you should double check that you can play The Sims on it. Yes, I have to double check that. Which which version of The Sims are you playing? The Sims Four. So I want to play Sims One. Oh, Sims One. No, I want to play One, and that's what's been killing me. Is that I just want to play One. Okay, this is going to take a little doing, but here's a Reddit thread. I got The Sims One running on the Steam Deck. Okay. Okay. You may have to do some things. So, what have uh, what have you been playing on it? This can be done on this on my Steam Deck. Yeah. Well, first off, okay. Well, I played a little bit of Elden Ring. You know, you know Elden Ring, right? No, I don't know what that is. No, really? Oh my god, Elden Ring is like the most important game that was released this year. Like, it's just unbelievable. It's like a complete world. It's like it's like one of the most beautiful games ever made. It's like one of the weirdest games ever made. It's expansive. It's like there's weird community stuff that goes on in it where people can leave notes for you and you can like read these weird cryptic notes. It's incredible. I can't just nothing. No, I cannot describe it. No description will, will do it justice except to say it's the very least one of the most, if not the most incredible game I've ever played in my entire life. So I played that a little bit on the Steam Deck, although I did play most of it on my on my TV because it's it really is pretty requires a high, very high powered system to make it look really great. What else? I've been playing this game Dead Cells. This has been out for years and they just keep making it better. It's like a side scrolling game, you know? But it's like done in this like really cool, like retro style. It's sort of like Elden Ring in the sense that you have to get really good at it to enjoy it. But it makes it getting good at it really fun. Does that make any sense? Yeah. I've been playing this game Vampire Survivors. Have you heard of Vampire Survivors? No. Vampire Survivors is a crazy game, which you should play. The only control is that you can move your character on the screen. It's like a top-down game. You're this, like, little person on the screen, and then these, like, waves, these hordes of, like, monsters come at you. And, like, it goes from, like, a couple of 
imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.